Hi, guys. Oh, my God. I'm alone in the podcast studio today because I'm recording alone, which is like not abnormal. But what is abnormal is that usually I have someone with me, whether it's India or like a friend or anyone. So I'm not just sitting here by myself. But alas, it's midday and we're doing what we have to do because I wanted to put out two episodes this week because of next week and last week and everything that we have going on. So hi, uh, I'm going to make this intro as quick as possible because we have a lot to get to and I'm super excited for the episode. We're going to talk about all the ins and outs of being a content creator and everything that you probably don't know, all the questions that you guys want answered and just being totally transparent about like how you can make this a job, how you make money, all that good shit. So we're going to do it. Also, if my P's and B's sound weird, it's because I just got Botox, like literally 40 fucking minutes ago. And I go to Dr. Jodi LaGurfo on the Upper West, Upper East Side, rather. I used to live on the Upper West Side. I couldn't plug her enough. I do it all over the internet. Um, she's amazing. She does like everything. She does Botox. They do plastic surgery. She was just telling me that she's going to laser off my um, scars on my boobs. So I was like, this is fucking incredible. She's a dream. And you guys should all go check it out if you're looking to do any procedures and you live in the New York area. I can't recommend it enough. That's really the only update from the last time I saw you guys. So we're just going to get into the episode. So content creation, right? This was never my like dream job. Sorry, hiccuped. This was never my dream job. You know, I grew up like this wasn't a thing when I was growing up. And also it's like a weird, I feel like it's kind of strange to say you aspire to it. I don't know that many people that would like fully admit like, oh, my aspiration is to be a content creator. I think everybody would be chill with it if they randomly went viral. Um, But you know what I mean? So like I, it's funny though. um, And I've heard other people say this, like I was always trying to figure out where I felt right in terms of like my life, in terms of like career aspirations and goals. And I I didn't feel right doing so many things. Like I didn't feel right when I was at journalism school. I just like wasn't a good reporter. And I've talked about this before, but like I'm not good at interviewing people. I'm not good at being unbiased. I'm not good at like reporting. Like I, I'm a good journalist in the sense of like narrative nonfiction or podcasting or like, you know, magazine writing, but I'm not a good reporter. I was never going to work in a newspaper. Like I just wasn't good in it. And I didn't feel right when I was in the producing roles. And like I really, really wanted to work on Broadway for so long. Like that was like my life goal. That was my dream. I just moved the mic. I do this every time I'm here. Anyway, that was my life goal. That was my dream. I didn't feel right. It felt wrong. And I like was struggling against it for so long. And the only place I felt like truly calm and right was when I was creating things for an audience, whether that was like personal essays or fiction or poetry or like playwriting or screenwriting or content. Like that was the only time I felt right. So I feel like That's why I always say, like, you don't know your dream job until your dream job happens because I never would have sat here and told you this is my dream job because it simply fucking wasn't. This wasn't, like, a dream for me because I didn't even know that my dream existed. But we're going to talk about my journey into becoming a content creator. If you don't know already, I'm going to try to keep it abridged because it's not that interesting, like, how it started, all that. But just so you know, like, I've always fucking loved Instagram. I had, like, literal alarms set on Thursdays in, like, middle school and high school. And Instagram came out when I was in eighth grade. I was one of the first people in my grade on it. I, like, remember starting my Instagram. My first handle was act for life 33 Not fucking lying. You could probably find it still. And 
I was like the first person like in my high school to like use it and like be using the filters. And I was like so obsessed with it. And then when Instagram like became a thing when I was in high school, I was like obsessed with TBTs. I was obsessed with like flashback Fridays and like taking pics. And like I loved like creating things on the internet. Like I was obsessed with Instagram, fascinated by it to the point where friends and family would be like, you're fucking addicted to Instagram. And people would say it like really negatively. Um, And I talked about it in my TED talk, how like I had a really toxic relationship with Instagram and I used a lot of Facetune and I did a lot of shitty things and like I pretended to be somebody that I wasn't and then eventually I realized I didn't have to do that. And, you know, when I got to the place when I realized I didn't have to do that anymore, like it was an awakening that I think started my journey into being authentic on the internet. And if you want that story about my relationship to social media, definitely watch the TED Talk on YouTube under Umish TEDx. Anyway... I so yeah I always loved Instagram and I downloaded TikTok when I was uh, a senior in college I downloaded it in December of 2019 and I remember I felt like it was an app for people who are younger than I am because at that point TikTok wasn't like an educational thing or like it wasn't like as entertaining as it is now it was very different it was very early so I remember I downloaded TikTok and I only let myself watch it at night for the last hour I'm awake because I'm like this is distracting this isn't a good thing for me whatever and it didn't create at all pandemic happens and I start making like videos and content for my friends where I would just like upload it to friends only and then save it to my phone and send it to them and everybody was like wow you're so good at this like you're so creative blah 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 it was really fun like just an outlet and then in May of 2020 I uh, May 4th 2020 I was with my brother fucking around and we posted a video of us filling up this jar of trail mix I accidentally posted it on public instead of posting it on friends only that was never my intention. It went viral. I woke up to 20,000 followers and the rest is pretty much history. Not really history, but history where like I ran with that kind of snack jar content for a while. And then slowly I I added in a lot of my personality. The voiceovers were like really chaotic and unique. So people would ask me questions about my life. And then I remember in July of 2020, I hit 100K and I was going to move to New York. And I remember making a video saying there's going to be less like snack content on my page and more New York City and lifestyle content because I was leaving and I was moving and I couldn't afford to like fill up these expensive snack jars like all the time. That was like the first thing. And then the second thing was like I wasn't going to be having like a family and like people around to eat it all the time. So it just wasn't going to make a ton of sense for me to be like doing that anymore. So I made that video. That video went viral and I got like 20,000 new followers and I was expecting to lose followers. So I think at that point I was like, okay, people are vibing with me leaving this jar thing and like remembering our humble beginnings, but also like incorporating it sometimes and like just going for it so then I went to grad school while I was there TikTok was a total hobby for me I wasn't making a ton of money off of it I don't think I really was doing any brand deals then like I was doing like small things for like $200 and I was accepted like gifted opportunities but like nothing major I had no management or anything when I January 2021, I hit 200K on TikTok. That's when things started to become a little more real, but still I wasn't advocating for myself in the right way, which we're going to talk about. And then I graduated in May. I had like 230K probably. And then when I ended up quitting my job in October, I hit 300K that week. And then I hit 400K January or February of 2022. So that was recent. And now I'm close to 500k and it is March 2022. So I signed with the management company right around 300k and 25k on Instagram. I think I could have signed with someone earlier. It just, 
I think that the conversations have become a lot more open about management opportunities now. And maybe that's just because I have one. And so I opened that conversation and now I'm like realizing that other people opened it as well. But back when I was at like 200K, like my content creator friends didn't have managers unless they were like the bigger people, you know, like Remy Bader had a, is one of my content creator friends and like she had a manager, but like that was different. Like she was a lot on a different scale than I was. Um, but like people that were like in my range of following, I feel like they didn't have them then. And now a lot of them do have them now, but anyway, that's how it started. And it became serious for me when I hit 300 K. I think it should have become serious for me earlier. I said this in the business insider piece that I was cited in this week that went live. Um, it's on my Instagram. If you want to see the part that I was cited in, I got this advice once when I was in college where someone said, you have to treat everything you write. Like it's going to be in the New York times. Cause you never know who's going to see it. And I wish I treated my content creation career like that from the start. I think I was worried that people would like think like people would like think poor things about me. Like people would think like, Oh, she's such a fucking try hard. Like your podcast, no one listens to it. Why are you paying money for a studio? Or like, why are you taking this so seriously? Like you don't have enough followers to take it that seriously. Like, that was my concern. That's just like bullshit. Like if anyone thinks that they're a loser, first of all. And secondly, like I wish I treated like the podcast at first like I treat it now. And obviously there's a learning curve. So like I'm not upset that I didn't. But like treat everything that you create like it's going to get into the hands of like the number one person that you wanted to get in the hands of because you never know who's going to see it. And you have to have a business plan before you even have a business. And I didn't know that. And now I like run my my whole platform and like my content like a business. But I didn't then. So then it got really – it got – marginally more serious when I hit 300k and with my first management which was iconic fox and I actually think this is a good segue to talk about management what it means how you do it all of that good stuff so around the time I quit my job I was reached out to by management if you're curious about me leaving my job I wrote a newsletter on it I don't want to get into it because honestly trauma like my boss was creepy as hell it was a really bad situation for me and I did not even put in two weeks. I left and blocked his number on the day that he said a very like concerning comment to me. And on that same day, I was signing with the management who told me that I was going to be able to like triple my salary that I was making as a journalist when we're going to get into salaries and money and all that. So I signed with Iconic Fox. Basically, how I came to them is that my friend Kate Nurkalunas, she's at Kate on TikTok, Big Daddy, you guys know her, you guys love her. She reached out to like a bunch of us and was like, hey, my management company's looking to sign more people. If you're interested, you should reach out to them. So I reached out to them on their website. If you're listening to this and you want to get a manager yourself, I would recommend reaching out to them. They're truly, truly wonderful. They're a couple. They're in live in North Carolina and they're just amazing. It was the best first management experience I ever could have had. And I'll go through like why I ended up leaving and all that stuff. But I reached out to them. We had two calls. They decided they wanted to sign me. They took 20%. So when a brand deal came in, they would take 20%. That was the deal. And I'm going to get into brand deals and stuff as well. But we're talking about management right now. And they were just wonderful. So what managers are meant to do is like pitch you out to brands that they have relationships with and also have like negotiate the deals that you have coming in and the contracts and deal with all of that stuff and the payment and like take the stress off of you. You know, a lot of times they do have like in-house lawyers, management companies, and we'll get into that. Sometimes they're just like really smart with contracts and really sharp with that. Sometimes that they are lawyers. There's like a whole bunch of different things that can go into it, but they handle all that back end. So basically what happens is when a brand deal would come in, I would forward it to them. Um, I like to have control over my own email mailbox. I'm just neurotic like that. You know, my manager like offered for me to make an email where it would just go to her, but I like to see it all. It just helps me better. And that's like no shame to anyone. I, that's just like what I prefer. 
So they reach out to me. I would uh, forward it along to them and then they would negotiate with it. It would come back and it would be an offer that I could accept or reject. They would get the contract and sign it. Um, different managers do it different ways. My current manager, I sign the contracts, but she negotiates them. The first management, they sign the contracts. And then they have like trackers and budget things and everything. And they're wonderful. And we would do like annual calls and jump on like quarterly calls. And like it's – they're really great, very accessible, wonderful. I used Slack when I was with them. So all of that, I started with them in October. Then in like February – Right around the time that I signed with the book agent, I started and my TikTok was getting closer to 400K. That's when things started to get really real for me. Um, just with the opportunities coming in, ch it changed when I was closer to 400K. I don't really know why. And when my Instagram like hit like 40K, I just felt a shift. And so um, in February when I signed with my literary agents and I can, I'm going to get into book stuff as well. But when I signed with them and we started having conversations about my future as it related to social media, I realized like I love TikTok and I love social media. I will always be present on social media. In my future though, I want to be a writer. I want to be a talk show host. Like that's my biggest fucking dream. Like New York City talk show host, baby. Like can you imagine? And it would be like oh, – I have such a vision. But it would be like kind of like comedy meets lifestyle meets advice. But all the guests that we have are like women, marginalized individuals, minority groups, LGBTQIA plus people. Like that, it would be the fucking shit. Like I mm, – I'm really excited. Like it, we're ready. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready for the talk show. If you're listening to this and you want to give me a talk show, I'm ready. That's like the end goal. But I always wanted to be like a talk show host and write books and be a writer. That was like my dream. I want to one day like teach creative writing at a college. Like that's why I got my master's. So I was thinking about it and I was like, Iconic Fox is incredible. But they asked me, they were like, do you want to be a TikTok influencer? Like, is this what you want your career to be? And I was like, well, currently and like always, yes. Like, I love TikTok. I want to be an influencer. I want to be a content creator. But my wider aspirations are to push my career in the direction of being like a talk show host and a writer. And it's not that they couldn't do that for me. It's just that it wasn't a fair partnership because they were so putting so much time and energy into the TikTok brand deals, which means so much to me. And I want to keep doing them. Don't get me wrong. I love doing my ads. I still do ads. I I just wanted to take a step back and think about my career and where who I needed to be signed with and what I needed to surround myself with to get to those goals. And it just felt like a social media agency that fully like solely focuses on social media and that's like their prime thing might not be the best bet. And that conversation was had with both Iconic Fox and also Park and Fine, which are my literary agents because when I signed to them, I was like, this is like the dreams fucking coming true. And I want to keep doing TikTok. I want to keep doing ad deals. I want to keep partnering with brands that matter to me. We're going to get into all of that. But I was like, this is my dream, you know, to be a writer, eventually to be a talk show host. I want to do public speaking. I love that shit. I want I want to pour everything into my podcast. They also didn't have, you know, a ton of um, podcast opportunities for me on Iconic Fox. And I my goal was to have 10,000 listens an episode in 2022. We hit the fucking goal, guys. And it's all thanks to you. I love you so much. Like, I can't express it enough. I'm going to go in a soapbox about you guys at the end of this. But I, that was my goal. And when it happened, I was like, I need to be thinking about this critically. So I left. I was a lone wolf for a while. And that was fine. I was able to negotiate things by myself. It's hard, though. I have, like, some – my dad's a lawyer. I don't know if you guys knew that. He had to go to law school. His Jewish mother was, like, law school or med school – 
and you have to pay for it yourself or you're disowned. And so he went to law school. He failed the bar, but then he passed it just like Kim K. And he's a lawyer. So my dad has like entertainment law friends that I ended up connecting with for like contracting and stuff. And then finally, a couple different management groups reached out to me and we had conversations about like influencer versus content creator. Is there a difference? Like is influencer somebody who like really truly wants to be an influencer and is like, you know, a fashion influencer and is content creator somebody that wants to like be creative in a different way. Not one is better than the other. Influencers probably make more money. But like if I'm leaning toward content creation route, like, you know, there was a lot of conversations. And finally, I signed at Underscore Talent with Amanda Marzoff. She's my manager now. She's wonderful. She's out in LA. I met her for the first time this month when I visited. Um, she's She's amazing. They take 15%. Just different strokes for different folks. And yeah, again, I love Iconic Fox. It just, it was about finding a fit for me. And Iconic Fox was the best first opportunity I ever could have asked for. And I think if I did want to focus all my energy on TikTok, then I would still be there because they're fucking incredible at what they do with social media. But I want to focus my energy on writing as much as I can. So that was the shift and the podcast. So I'm with Amanda now. She's wonderful. The way it works with us, she pitches me out. Also, I send my things to her. She negotiates them all that good stuff. We are just getting to a spot and we're going to talk about brand deals where we're looking at long-term partnerships versus short-term partnerships. So for example, I posted an ad by the time you're listening to this, it'll be tomorrow. So yesterday for Tula skincare, it was a one-off ad. I do take, I'm doing TikTok for them. I'm doing IG stuff for them. So that's a short-term partnership. Maybe it could develop into something long-term, but it's short-term. It's just one thing, whatever. I'm signing contracts with a couple of brands that are like my fucking I I'm gonna cry like my fucking ride or die brands that you guys know that I have poured so much into like manifesting wanting to work with them and we're gonna sign long-term partnerships so that's like six months exclusivity we're gonna get into all what that means but a good example Emma Chamberlain right her long-term partnerships are with Louis Vuitton PacSun and now I think CeraVe I heard some like insider information about how much they paid her at CeraVe and bitch, holy shit. But the reason it's so much money is because she's exclusively working with them probably for a couple of years. Same with Louis Vuitton. Emma Chamberlain can't walk the red carpet if she's not wearing Louis Vuitton. It's a long-term partnership that she's contracted for years. Kristen Stewart can't walk the red carpet if she's not wearing Chanel. And she's been kind of in their chokehold for years and they choose what she wears. But it's like a long-term partnership. So that's kind of the difference. I think your goal as a creator, you're going to start with short-term partnerships, but your goal is to be working long-term partnerships with brands that you truly fucking care about with your whole self and that that really matter to you. And I have a rule that I don't work with a brand unless I would actually buy the product with my own money because I would never recommend that you guys buy something unless I would spend my own money on it. I don't just make ads because the shit is free. And I know other people do that and that's fine. I'm not judging anyone. You have to make your bag however you want to make your bag. But that's just how I do it. So brand deals. Let's talk about them. So there's two ways that it can happen. Your managers will be pitching you out to brands. So for example, my manager has a um, relationship with Maybelline. She knows I love my drugstore makeup. I love my Maybelline. I love my L'Oreal. L'Oreal owns Maybelline. And so I went to lunch with the social media girl from Maybelline. She set up that lunch. We had a conversation, hopefully going to work together. They're going to send me some stuff all good things, you know? So that will happen. Um, 
other I'm trying to think of something that's signed. Okay, Panera. So we have that signed. They reached out to me. I love Panera. I fucking ate there like every day of college. That chicken Caesar salad, no croutons, bitch. It's good. It's good. The mango smoothie, it hits. So like I love them. They reached out to me. I forwarded it to Amanda. She negotiated everything. Bada bing, bada boom. That's how it works. So she'll send my rate cards and get the offer and send it back to me. And I'll accept or deny all that good stuff. Then I'll have my due date. Sometimes there'll be edits. Sometimes the constraints will be really specific. Sometimes they'll be really broad, like vague or broad. It just depends on the brand. Everything is different. I get probably 30 emails a week and we sort through what makes sense. And like I said, now we're kind of honing in on a couple brands that are going to be like my long-term partnerships that we're going to really, really focus on, which is great. Everybody wants to know the question about money, the question about rates. So my biggest advice here is not to short yourself, not to sell yourself short. Because I learned this recently, but when when a brand reaches out to you to partner with you for like a paid opportunity, that you have gone through so many steps to get to that place. Like they have looked at so many influencers, they've selected you, so many people have given their okay on you. They have gotten through so many things, jumped through so many hoops to email you being like, "Should we par- I would love to partner with you. Please let me know if you're interested." That no matter what you say, they're going to try to negotiate with you because they would rather negotiate with you on a number than go back to square one. If you ask for 10 grand and they only have 5, they're never going to be like, "Sorry, we can't work with you." They're going to they'd rather negotiate. Trust me. So always ask for more. Always ask for more. Always ask for more. Literally, when I was working with Amazon for South by Southwest, they asked me for, I asked them for $4,500 for a TikTok. Now my rate for a TikTok is five grand, but back then it was 45. So, and that's just baseline with no exclusivity, no whitelisting, no boosting. We're going to get to all that. So I asked them for 45 and then they came back and they were like, can we pay you more than that? Like, can we pay you six? Because we have that much in our budget. Always ask for more. That was like a fucking rude awakening where I was like, bitch. I was like, bitch, what is wrong with you? So always ask for more. The biggest deal I've ever done was $21,000. And that I'm not going to disclose the brand because I don't really want to bring that stuff into it. Um, But that was a package of a grid post, two story sets, and two TikToks. There's some exclusivity there. Um, the, the rate. So my rate for a TikTok is five grand, but that can go up based on a number of things, boosting, whitelisting, exclusivity. So exclusivity is saying you can't work with any other brands. Boosting is if the brand wants to take it for their social channels and boost it, or if they want to boost it on your page, like basically make it a paid ad. So there's a ton of different things that can go into it that make it cost more. And the contracts will get into all of that. And that's what a manager negotiates. My Instagram story set, cost is probably like 2500 depending on what they want. Grid post would be around the same. Real would probably be a little less than a TikTok. But the way you can get up to like a five-figure deal is when all of these things, um, when all of those other things come into play. So I, I've worked with actual TikTok, like the brand a couple times, and they will pay you like five figures for a video because they, first of all, are super specific about their edits, which is great, but it's going to take a long time to work with them. And I'm also like, it's crazy that they would pay that, but like they have the money. So you have to like also know who you're working with and you have to be smart and sharp. That's why managers are really helpful, but you want a manager that you can trust and a manager that's going to not sell you short because you deserve someone that's going to advocate for you. And trust me when I say the brands have the bag, they have the bag. They do. They just do. So how to work with brands that you want to work with? Because obviously like 
Supergoop. I work with Supergoop. Panera. I work with Panera. I work with Saks Off Fifth. I'm working with two sex toy companies. Like, holy shit, I'm so excited. I'm working with a couple other brands that are just like really, really important to me and my mission. Oh, Caudalie. And most of those things weren't, they did not come to me first. Basically, I will post organically about them. So one of two things will happen. So for Caudalie, I didn't know what that was. It's a skincare brand. They reached out to me asking to send me a package. I said yes. They sent me the package. I tried the stuff. I have a rule that I always post thank you on my story when I get a package, but I don't do anything else unless I would buy the product with my own money because I'm not going to share things with you guys that I wouldn't actually buy. So I started posting about them a ton organically because I loved the shit. I think it's like the best skincare brand ever. I post about them organically and then they reached out to me and they asked to get a dinner and talk about a paid partnership amazing. Sometimes when in doubt, you just have to ask. With Saks Off Fifth, sometimes I'll email them and be like, hey, I have this event that I'm going to. Would you guys want to dress me? They'll send me a huge gift card very generously. Like you, when in doubt, you have to ask because the worst thing that they can say is no, right? Other times, you'll just be posting about a brand you're obsessed with. So I'm trying to think like a brand that I was obsessed with that I was posting about that then was like, hey, do you want us to send you product? Um, why is everything slipping my mind? Uh, oh, like this Revlon concealer. I was like obsessed with this concealer, posted about it that I'd bought. And then they sent me it in every shade. I was like, girl, I don't know what I'm going to do with it in every shade, but thank you. So like you could also just be posting about things that you like. Give them some free ad space. Brands want to see that. And then they'll want to work with you. You can always DM brands. I don't really do the thing with the media kit anymore because I just don't have to. Um, I found that like I had one and when I was trying to pitch myself out to brands, it just doesn't work. Oh, Good American is a great example. I have spent like $700 on their clothes and I post about them all the time. And then they sent me a, a big package, which was super nice of them. And it came right after somebody in LA that I met told me that Good American and Coco Kardashian never sends PR. Bada bing, bada boom, baby. You just gotta, you have to self-advocate. Sorry if I'm like, I just realized I might be like yelling at you guys. I'm not trying to yell at you guys. Am I yelling at you guys? I'm not yelling at you guys. I'm just stern and excited to talk about all this. And we have a lot to get through. So yeah, when you want to work with a brand, I just recommend posting about it organically, sharing about it organically, messaging them, finding their emails, going to events that they have, just showing up for those brands because they want to work with influencers. And TikTok is kind of currency. You know, the Instagram influencer has been around for a while. The TikTok thing is the new wave. And I think that it's that's a really, really big, that's a big one. You know, um, it's, it's, it's new. It's fresh. It's punchy. They're excited about it. I do know that there's a lot of money in YouTube shorts. I've had a lot of conversations with YouTube. YouTube is tough for me. I'm trying not to focus on being great at, good at everything. I want to be great at some things. So that's why I'm nervous about the, t the YouTube thing, especially with the book. And I have that movie concept thingy. And like, there's just a lot going on. And I want to focus my time and energy into podcasting if I can. But maybe eventually I'll start um, videoing the podcast. I don't know if you guys would like that. You'll have to let me know. But yeah, you have to – I think you have to diversify but also realize what you're good at and, and, and stay there and, like, be excited about those things because that's what's just, like, super important is, like, that you're excited about it because that shows. Okay. You guys asked me so many questions that I'm honestly just going to start getting into all the questions. The first one that I want to do is kind of, like, what does a typical day in my life look like? Um, It changes every single day, but let me go to a day that was, like, pretty – okay, Monday – 
So Monday, I had an overnight event for Dipsy, the sexual wellness brand, and the overnight was kind of just to like set the mood because it's like a sexual wellness, like audio porn thing. It's actually really cool. I recommend downloading the app. So they set me up in a hotel with all these goodies. It was so great. And then we had a breakfast um, right down the road from the hotel from 830 to 1030. We met the founders. We talked about future partnerships and and pleasure. And it was really interesting. There were other creators there. Then I had to hustle back to the hotel because I had, I'm doing a collaboration with this YouTube thing, Story Booth, about the Greek life Daily Mail article. And so I had to record something for them because it was due. And then I had a call with a woman named Janet who works at this like publishing writing thing who like heard of me. We were discussing a possible partnership. Then I hustled home. I got home at like noon from that. I was in Williamsburg and then I live in Manhattan. So I hustled home. That's when I started filming content, going through my emails. You have to go through emails fast. A lot of brands will be like, can you get this to us by end of day? Can you get this to us by like, you know, immediately, whatever. So I hustled through emails, did a bunch of like back end stuff. My assistant came by. I gave her some stuff to take to the post office and some stuff to donate. And then I walked to the doctor. I had a doctor's appointment at 2 I went to the doctor. I finished up with that at three. Then I was finishing up some podcast planning on my way to the podcast studio. I stopped and got a tea, sat and took a meeting with a, the, I think the best brand I've ever had a meeting with about a future partnership. That contract is now being finalized. Then I went straight to the podcast studio. I met Shannon, met my assistant. We recorded. Then I hustled to grab a quick dinner. And then while I was there, I did some work on my computer, just like finalized some things for the book, filmed some content, answered some Instagram DMs. Then I went and saw a musical that was I was invited to to make TikTok and Instagram content. I did that, met up with an old friend for a drink. In the car ride home, I uploaded the podcast because we're still in negotiations for the contract for the platform. And then finally got home, finished up the rest of the content that I had to shoot and film. I think I submitted an ad then it was midnight. I did my skincare and went to bed. That's a very typical day. Every day changes. Um, I usually find time to go to the gym in there, but I haven't been working out because my surgery healing. Today, I got up and I went, um, grabbed a coffee. And then from like 8.30 to 10, I just did some work on my computer, filmed some content, um, did some stuff like DMs and stuff. I went and got my lip flip, flip done. I filmed content for them. So we filmed content there. Then I had a quick walk um, to the podcast studio. While I was walking, I was interviewed by this journalist for something about like sex and wellness that we were talking about. Called my best friend to organize some stuff for the upcoming trip I have. Now I'm at the podcast studio. Then I'm going to hustle home. I have to film three ads, answer all the emails. And I have a meeting with a brand at four, a meeting with a brand at five, and then I'm meeting a social media friend who I've never met before. And we might discuss a possible future partnership at eight. So a lot of meetings, a lot of calls. Like, is it the hardest job in the world? No. I mean, jobs are, there are jobs that are harder. Like, there's so many jobs that are harder, like, and more tiring and just like more depressing. This is like a happy job. I love that I, what I get to do, but it is kind of exhausting and it is 24 7 in a different way. So that's like a day in my life. But let's look at these other questions. So, you guys wanted to know about my like creative process and my brainstorming process. Um, so I keep a lot of notes everywhere in my phone and I – so my playwriting professor once told me to not listen to music when I walk down the street and just observe the outside world to get inspiration and also to figure out how people talk so I could figure out how my characters were going to talk. That's something that's like I think is like huge. Like that's something that I do with content. Like I observe the outside world. I observe my friends. I think about things that people are talking about. I have a big idea bank in case I run out 
um, that I can just like look back on. I also add to those like things that people ask for. Like if someone says like, can you do rules for this or rules for that or whatever? I'll always um, like have that as well. I'm a very creative person. Like I'm lucratively creative. Like my brain is normally creative. I don't ever get not creative. I think I get unmotivated to be creative, but I don't ever feel like I'm not creative. So that's definitely helpful for me. And I just keep myself organized. The next question, do you feel pressure to put everything on TikTok um, slash like the day in the life vlogs? So firstly, I know a lot of creators make a day in my life vlogs and they just take a bunch of footage from a few days to make the day look like more packed and fun. I don't do that transparently. There's no problem with that if that's what they do. That's fine. Transparently, I don't do that. If I make a day in the life vlog, that's exactly what I did that day. I try to include everything. Um, And yeah, you know, I think... So one of the first times I met Tinks, we were talking and she was like, I think everybody has a moment as a lifestyle creator when you realize that you're all in. Because as like a food creator or a fashion creator, you get to, you know, have your niche and post about your fashion or post about your cooking. And like that's no better or worse than being a lifestyle creator. But when you're a lifestyle creator and your brand is your personality, your brand isn't cooking, your brand isn't fashion, it's like you – I think you get to a point where you decide, am I all in or am I going to withhold some things? And she was telling me that like her all in moment was when she like told her best friend she was in love with him and then he didn't reciprocate, I think. And she was crying in her car. I think you guys remember that video. It was extremely viral. And it was a while ago. It was like two years ago. I had a similar all in moment where somebody commented like, I wish I could eat that. But like I, I have struggled with binge eating disorder. And that's when I made a video talking about my struggles with binge eating disorder when I had never even told anybody that I struggled with it in my life, like my personal life. People didn't know about that. So that was my all-in moment where I just realized like, okay, we're doing this. And I think, you know, after having that moment, it got easier. Like every little thing that I shared that was hard for me to share got easier to the point where now it's so easy. The only things I don't share online are the intricacies of my intimate and personal relationships and things that regard other people or that would like offend somebody that I know personally, upset somebody that I know personally for whatever reason. Those are the things I don't share. So like, yeah, you guys know my mom. You don't know what my relationship with her is like. You know my boyfriend. You don't know what my relationship with him is like. Obviously, I'm very blessed and privileged. They're wonderful relationships, but you guys don't know the intricacies of that. And that's just what I've chosen. So I don't feel a lot of pressure because I chose this and I'm happy that I did. Okay, the best free stuff I've gotten, obviously the Dyson Airwrap, like I think takes number one on the list. But other than that, I love my Caudalie skincare family. I love my Drunk Elephant skincare family. I love my fucking Saxoff Fifth family. Good Lord, I love them. The Stanley Cup, those water bottles that have the like same drop model as the like cool shoe model, like the Hypebeast shoe drop. It's the same thing. Like they like they hardly ever drop them, so they've become exclusive for some reason. But it's a great cup. I love it. Look it up. Amazing. I think they also sell them at Whole Foods. Bandier just sent me a workout set. I'm wearing it right now. Love it. And then there's also perks, of course, like restaurants providing free meals, and then the Broadway shows. Like guys, I'm not even kidding you. Like my whole dream in my life was to like go see Broadway shows for free, and I thought it was gonna be because I was working on them, not because I'm a content creator making content about them. Getting to see art is, like, such a privilege that I, like, don't take for granted. And my favorite thing about it is that I can give you guys really honest and truthful recommendations about, like, what I would actually spend my money on and what I recommend you go see if you're visiting New York for the first time or anything like that. So somebody asked about burnout and dealing with burnout. Um, You know, I'm a hustler. I'm pretty go, go, go. And I do get glimpses of burnout. But my personal concept 
surrounding my life is that I do things like therapy and anything that's therapy to me to avoid burnout, to avoid a breakdown, not because I've already broken down. Now, yeah, sometimes I do break down and if I, and it's okay to break down and I'm not saying it's not okay. I just right now don't have that much time to break down. I have time for like a 20 minute breakdown, but I don't have time for a day long one. And my therapist the other day was like, have you ever just tried doing nothing for a day? And the answer is like, frankly, no. And we're going to work on it. No, I haven't. Not in two years. But, um, you know, that would be nice maybe to just do nothing for a day. I, don't, I, I was thinking about it and I don't know what that would look like for me. Like <laughs> when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, I could make a video like do nothing with me for a day. And I was like, no, but that's not the point. The point is that you're not on online. Um, I think about it, but like I feel an obligation to my community and audience because I always say this, you know, like when you follow someone that takes up real estate in your mind, that takes up real estate on your social media apps, that takes up real estate in your phone, I don't take that lightly. Like I think it's a privilege that you guys have chosen for me to take up real estate in your life in that way. And I'm not going to take that for granted. Um, and obviously that's not a reason to like work myself to burn out, but I feel okay. I don't really know exactly how I manage and deal with it, but, um, yeah, you know, that's, that's life. Um, huh, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I should take a break. <laughs> like I'm fine. Um, but yeah, it can be, I don't know. I'm thinking about it now and like, it can just be overwhelming some days. Like you wake up and you're like, okay, there's all this shit that I have to do. And no one gets to tell me that I have to do it. I have to just do it myself. And on some level, that's the biggest blessing. And it can also be the greatest curse. So, okay. People want to know what you do when you get into a lull after growing a lot. So I think this is like a question I get a lot recently because my growth has been pretty steady. People ask me like, how do you get steady? How do you maintain steady growth? Listen, I sat at 100 fucking K for like a like six months. Then I sat at 200 K for almost a year. I sat at the same number. And then you're going to do one thing that's going to go so fucking viral. It's going to launch you into a new era. Like there have been eras. Like if you trace it back, like do you guys remember? There's been the astrology era. There's been the salt your coffee era, the fucking cheese board era, the jar era, the fucking ranking the fashion shit era. Like I have had eras, the rules era. We're in eras, era after era. And finding your niche is a lot about deciding if those eras are going to stick and if that is what you want to be known for on the internet. So for me, you know, I just kept pushing. Like I didn't, I love my jars. That's like my fucking beginning. You know, that's everything to me, but I wanted to do lifestyle content. I wanted to give advice and I kept pushing until I could figure that out. It took me two years. Like we're coming up on our second year and I finally found my niche. It's not easy. You have to be relentless, right? You have to be relentless. And it's so discouraging. If you're like, I grew to 30K in a week and now I've been sitting here for a year. What do I do? You have to be relentless. Be relentless. Be creative. Think outside the box. How to start as a content creator. You know, I stumbled into this, so I can't give advice on personal experience. But Jeremy Sheck once told me, if you're going to start anything, you just have to begin. And I think about that a lot because he's right. I like to dumb down, dumb things down to the simplest way possible. If you want to start something, you got to just begin. Just start posting. I told, I was telling my friend Madison recently, she's a soul cycle instructor. You guys should follow her, Madison Rotner. She posts um, like soul cycle kind of style content and workout stuff. I was like, what if you just held yourself to posting three times a day and just saw how it helped your growth? If you want this, go for it. There's no reason not to. Like, you just have to begin. Um, okay, this question goes along with that. Do you think people gain a following because of luck or hard work? 
So the number one reason why people can gain a following easiest is privilege. We cannot, we cannot pretend like the algorithm does not favor rich, thin white people. Simply does. And I saw a video that was saying, you know, the algorithm favors it, but it also the algorithm reflects what people are stopping to watch and what people are uplifting. And I think that's when we have to really, truly uplift diverse voices. We have to hold the door open. We have to center those voices because they deserve that as much as I do, if not more. And I, you know, if you go to my following, you can look. I follow a lot of creators who I see on my For You page that maybe aren't like, you know, the typical thing that the algorithm favors. And I love their fucking content. It's some of the best content on the app, if not the best. Go to my following page and just scroll and follow all the people that I follow because I really, my, my, my following page is full of just wonderful content. Like, I can't applaud these people that I follow enough. Every single fucking one of them. And I follow people that have 3,000 followers that are making content that's, like, literally better than people that I follow that have 3 million followers. And I'm not kidding. So... I think that's the first thing that we have to get out of the way. This is a lot of it is privilege. You know, I would never, ever, ever have risen as quickly as I did on the internet if it wasn't for my whiteness, my thin privilege, my pretty privilege, my family upbringing, all that stuff. It's obvious. But I think hard work has a lot to do with it too. You know, I'm not going to say that like I also worked hard because I don't like that attitude of being like, yeah, I'm privileged, but I worked hard. Like just say you're privileged and move on. Like I'm privileged. That's why. But I think that you have to also work hard, you know, and obviously I don't have to work as hard as other people do because my privileges have allowed me to have what I have. But I I think being relentless is still really, really important. So to answer your question, I think people gain a following because of luck mostly. And I think people maintain a following because of hard work. Okay. Content creators being friends with each other. So we all start out as mutuals or we all start out with as mutuals with some people and then they introduce us to other people. So like the New York City group, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to like say people that I don't like. That doesn't make sense. I also don't ever hate anybody. I just don't have the time or the energy to hate people. I'm a very non-confrontational individual. There are people I like more than I like others just because like I'm friends with them or whatever. But you know, everybody is nice to your face. Like I, I, I can't say it behind the back. I don't know. Like, but people that have been mean to me behind my backs or like, on podcasts or whatever, like they were nice to my face. So like everyone's nice to your face. These events that you go to are very pleasant. Oftentimes people are making them look more fun than they are. And everybody falls into that trap. Like anything I've gone to in the Hamptons was not as fun as I made it look. Like we took a two and a half hour bus there, sat in traffic. It rained. There was no food. Like I'm not kidding. Everything that I've gone to like is probably looks more fun than it is. I try to keep it as real as possible. Like things that were genuinely fun. House of Gucci, like fucking premiere, genuinely fun. Genuinely a great time. Um, what else was genuinely fun? You know, I've I didn't go to events for a while because like Omicron and Delta like stifled the event train. Oh, fashion week, genuinely fun. These things are genuinely fun. Um, but yeah, everyone's making it look more fun than it is. I'm not like I uh, you know, there are people that in this content space that have advocated for me and are my friends. You know, Audrey Peters, I have to give her a shout out. That girl has been on Team Eli since day fucking one. She is the most loyal person. Like, if she's on your team, she's on your team hard. She also doesn't put up with any of the fake shit. Like, if she she doesn't go to events to keep up with the Joneses, she doesn't care. She goes to the things that she wants to go to. She makes the content that she wants to make. That's why it's that's why she works. That's why it works for her. And when I had like 80, like 100K, when I had 80K, we became mutuals and she had so many more followers than I did. And I got this imposter syndrome about meeting her for the first time. She was so on Team Eli. 
And for that, like, I immediately respected her. But she's also just a good friend. Davis, fucking great friend. I love that kid. I Like, he's a genuine, wonderful, kind, sweet person. Incredible human being. Tinks, another wonderful, wonderful person. That is exactly how she is online in real life. The first time I met her, I also had imposter syndrome. I was so nervous. We got coffee together. And I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, my God, why would she ever want to know me? And she just, like, likes to know people. She's just a good person. And the conversation we had wasn't, like, me asking her questions and fangirling. It it was a very reciprocal conversation. And every single other time I've seen her, she's asked so much about me. She truly and honestly cares. She's an amazing person. Carly Weinstein, amazing person. Like, infectious laugh, wonderful, wonderful human being. Literally love her. It's Jazzy, Jasmine. Good God, guys. That girl is heart of gold. Like, I love her. She's one of my favorite people that I've met on TikTok just because, like, the first time I met her, I just felt like we were actually friends. And I cannot stress that enough. Um, She's truly, truly, truly amazing. Lauren Wolf, uh, incredible person. So nice. The first time I met her, I did not know that she was on TikTok because I wasn't on the fashion side of TikTok when I met her. And it was really funny and embarrassing. And... Now we're really great, close friends, and I absolutely, absolutely love her. Like, let's see who else. Um, oh, Bran. Bran Flakes. Fucking awesome human being. Love him. Kennedy Urich, amazing. Jenna Palak, amazing. Both of them, lovely. I love both of them very much. Um, I think Jenna and I relate on a lot of things. I, I feel like we're very similar type of people. Now I'm scrolling down my friends list to shout more people out because this is fun. Fun, 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 and fun. Oh, Remy, incredible person. Alyssa, wonderful human being. Alyssa, publicity, literally love her. Kate Nurkalunas, wonderful human being. Louis Levanti, wonderful human being. Who else? Um, I'm only shouting out people I've met in person, by the way, because I don't want to like, ma- I don't want to like shout out people I haven't met in person yet, but I do love them. I love all my mutuals. Oh, Sydney Benjamin, fuck yeah, amazing woman. Christina Strat. My lawyer queen. Love her. Let's see. Who else? These people, everyone's amazing. You know who's so nice to me on the internet that I've never met in person? Ava Jules. She like raised me even though she's younger than me. Love her. Love her. Love her. Love her. Shannon, affluently forward. Amazing human being. Why do I follow Trisha Paytas? Somebody take my phone away from me. I'm literally scrolling and like looking at all these people and just shouting out people that I have met in person that I absolutely love. Oh, Kenneth, amazing. Amira might be my favorite TikToker ever. You need to follow them. If you don't follow her, you're missing out. She's literally my style icon, an absolute queen. Um, Yeah, those are just some. Like there are so many more guys that I'm forgetting and missing that I haven't shouted out that are just such good and kind and like wonderful people um oh sierra love sierra average sissy never met her in person but i feel like i have i would die for her um oh my favorite uh tiktok account is olive oil but her at is wakanda on the weekends never met her in person but i think she's amazing anyway that oh and sedoni can't forget sedoni like we do a book club together she's I'm addicted to her content. I watch it to fall asleep at night. So yeah, those are some people that I have met and absolutely love that are just the same they are online as they are in person. And just because I didn't shout someone out doesn't mean that I don't like them. I just forgot people. And that was just a run on sentence. Um, Okay. 
How do you balance personal and professional? We've I think I've touched on this before, but generally I struggle to. I think a lot of people in the lifestyle space do. It's really hard to remove your personal life and professional life when your professional life is your personal life and vice versa. I feel like I work 24-7. Um, I'm at least on my phone working from 8 a.m. to midnight. So all the hours that I'm awake in a day is all the hours that I'm working. Someone asked, do you do a 40-hour work week? I was like, no, I do a work week from 8 a.m. to midnight. Like I'm creating content, answering emails, doing meetings, uploading podcasts, all of it, all day, every single day, seven days a week. Is that toxic? Sometimes I think, yeah. And I think that has to go with the burnout thing. And I'm learning as I go. Um, and it's only gotten this busy recently. So, you know, yeah. Um, that's all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> Okay. Fear of judgment. And is it ever embarrassing to create content? You know, I don't fear being judged. And I have a whole entire podcast episode about confidence. And I recommend you listen to it to understand my confidence journey. But my thing was like, if people are going to judge me and like I've done nothing to them, I always say if I'm being kind, working hard and just doing my best and people are going to judge me or hate me, then that's a reflection of them, not one of me. So if people think that like my content is embarrassing or something, okay, that's like on them, not on me and they can just unfollow me and I don't want them in my life. And that's how I take everything. And it's never embarrassing for me because I don't care. I have a who cares attitude that I live by. Okay. You guys want to know about the book process? I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Basically, I... The best way to sell a book is you have to get an agent. Sign with an agent. You put together a book proposal, which is like 50% your writing, 20% an outline of the rest of the book that isn't your writing, and 30% marketing materials and how they plan to sell it. You have to get the agent because they have relationships with publishers. And from there, they can like connect you to these publishers and make your life happen. And you can sell the book. Then you have six to nine months to write the book. And then it goes on the shelves. So... That was my process. I never even knew that this was going to happen. I'm signed to Park and Fine Literary Media. They also have Nicholas Sparks <laughs> and Taylor Jenkins fucking read and Jojo Siwa. So I feel like I'm in great company. How do I edit things? Um, Good question. So I work with Gotham Podcast Studio. I'm here right now. That's where I record my podcast and they clean the files and send them to me. I edit them myself if I have to. Normally I don't. I usually just talk for the full hour and I have a Leo Mercury, so it works for me. I edit ads on an app called InShot and that's the only other way I edit them other than right on TikTok. I'm not like a savvy editor and if I ever do YouTube, I'm going to hire an editor because there's just no way. Um, okay. Has this impacted my relationships? I want to think no, um, but obviously the one that comes to mind specifically is my boyfriend because there's been conversations about privacy and like how he relates to the internet and like how my career has impacted him and how his career, like, you know, there's, there's conversations, but I want to say no, but like, would our relationship be the same if this wasn't my job? Probably not because I wouldn't be the same if this wasn't my job. So I would be talking about different things. I would be consumed with different things. My mental space would be you know, focus on different things. So I want to say like, no, at the crux of it, I haven't changed, but obviously your job impacts your life. So yeah, probably has, but not in a bad way. Do I think this is a sustainable job? Um, no, like definitely not. You know, when TikTok was going to get deleted, like we were all freaking out. But I think like if you, if you, generate an audience and you maintain relevance and you're impacting people like you're gonna find other ways to like do things like I can always get a microphone and talk on a podcast and now I'm gonna go into writing and so I think like the goal is you get to do the things that you've always dreamed of doing 
um, and you and you have uh, friends to to watch along. And that's kind of like what I feel like I'm doing right now. Do I ever wish I could go back to when nobody knew who I was? Like, no. I mean, okay, sometimes. Sometimes I'm like going out in New York City is tough because my audience is mostly like biggest city is New York. And it's mostly people who are like 18 to 35. So if they're going to be out in New York and I'm going to be out in New York, we're going to see each other probably. So I sometimes wish, and I'm an aloof person. I've said this before. A lot of times when people recognize me but don't say hi, I don't notice, but my friends do. So it impacts like going out with my friends and having those experiences a lot more than I ever thought it would. So definitely, um, in maybe in that regard, just having like one night to go out with my friends when like we can just be carefree. But like I, that's not to say I don't want you guys to come up to me. Like always come up to me, please. I love it. And maybe that's the only time that I would wish, but really no, because I love what I do. How often do I get PR packages and how does it work? I get like four to five a day probably. Oh, fuck. That sounds horrible. I probably get like minimum one, maximum five a day. And usually they reach out to you and ask for your address and if you'd like to receive PR. But the problem is PR agencies get their handle on your email address and your address and they just start shipping you shit all the time that you never asked for. And that can be kind of annoying. How do you take your self-worth out of your views? I post a lot and it's hard because I do look at numbers. Like obviously I have to look at the numbers because it's my job to like maintain slash grow. But I try to just make content that I would want to watch and hope that my audience will resonate with those things. Um, And that's how I take my self-worth out of my views. If I would watch it and it inspires one person, that's enough for me. Somebody wants to know the truth about how difficult this is. You know, I say this all the time. Like, I think that being a nurse in the NICU is such a harder job. I think working a customer service job is such a harder job. Most jobs are harder than this, but this is difficult in a different way where it's like the most stressful and anxiety inducing thing because if you fuck up, you only have yourself to blame. And if you succeed, you only have yourself to reward like you're a one man band. And so it's hard because the pressure is a lot and like it's hard to not compare yourself to other content creators and I've gotten a lot better at it. Like I used to be jealous of people that had better podcasts than I did, but then I was like, dude, you don't even put in enough effort to your podcast. So I changed that and now my podcast is doing like amazing and that like happened because I worked hard. It wasn't just fate. Like there was a means to an end. So that's when it can get really hard. Somebody asked, how do you actually feel about your followers? As though it's not already crystal clear. I fucking love my followers. I I treat each and every single one of you as a human being because you're human beings to me. And again, I understand like that you guys choose to follow me and that means a lot to me. And I want to help each and every one of you as much as I can. That's why I answer DMs. That's why I do asks. That's why I go into the DM trenches and answer novels about real issues because the fact that you guys trust me with those things is something I'm so beyond privileged for. And also none of my life would be like what it is if I didn't have you guys. And I don't pretend that that's not the case ever. And if I ever do slap me. Most annoying comment from family and friends is typically when they say like, oh, you haven't had any viral videos lately or like, oh, you've been at 270K for a week. And I'm like, yeah, I fucking can see the number. And they, I know they're only saying it because they want to know like why. But it's like, this doesn't help. <laughs> this doesn't help. Okay. Um, let's see. Can you do this as a side hustle or is it demanding? I mean, I did it as a side hustle. At a certain point, it gets too demanding to do it as a side hustle. And I think that that's when you just get to do it full time. Is Has anyone in your life come back into the DMs? 
Yeah, they have. Like, girls in my ex-sorority, before I started shitting on it and, like, dropping names, they were like, we should get drinks. And I was like, you guys bullied me. Like, why would I get drinks with you? Because, like, what? Um, And people have my phone number from high school and will text me and I'll be like, wow, it's been nine years. Like, why now? Um, Guys from my past, a lot. I get that a lot. So, yeah, they do, but I usually just ignore it. Honestly, I just won't respond. Or I'll be like, hey, so sorry, super busy, but I hope you're doing well. Um, like, no hard feelings. I just think it's ironic. And, like, if you know somebody that's in content, you don't have, like, a, a an actual question or a compliment to pay them or, like, an actual thing to, like, a bone to pick with them, I wouldn't reach out, like, as a clout chasey thing. Like, I'm not suggesting that you guys do that, but just don't. Like, it's very strange and honestly bothers me a lot because I'm like, you hated me until I had something to offer you, and it's fucking stupid and annoying. So that – um. Okay. And then the last one I'll answer is parasocial relationships. So I get it. I think that parasocial relationships are fine until it gets, until it crosses a line. And I feel like that line is the line where you're sending Olivia death threats because you're in love with Harry Styles. Like that's fucked up. The line is before that. But like those crazy Harry Styles fans who are like, sending her death threats because they want to date Harry Styles do you not realize that you would just get death threats if you dated Harry Styles from people just like you I don't know I think that's weird or like if you're relying on an influencer to like keep you afloat I think that that's tough because that's a lot of pressure for that person that like you need to go to therapy you need to be doing your own things and like that can be an addition like that person can be part of the reason that you stay afloat but you can't like put all of your energy on that person I don't have that much trouble with people being like bestie or like telling me like things about how my content has really helped them. I think the only time it gets like troublesome is like when people like I get some like really long paragraphs in the DMs sometimes like why I should be your friend and all this stuff and like it it can overwhelm me. Like I think I wish I could be best friends with all of you in person and like I have made friends with some of my followers. Like literally have met followers in workout classes and in bars and like have become friends with them. Not even like fully. And I would. I just think like there's a lot of pressure to like what do I reply to that? Like I don't have the bandwidth to be like answering to all of those and, and there's a lot of those. And I'm not criticizing you if you're just like, oh my God, I wish I was your friend or like we would we should be best friends. That message is fine. I'm talking about like the five paragraph essay. I think that's when it gets to be locked then there's pressure of me feeling like if I don't respond to my bad person I don't know there's a lot of pressure with being on the other side but also I'm the type of person that fangirls over people so like I also think I've developed literal parasocial relationships with like Emma Chamberlain and like fucking Julia Fox probably so so I get it but anyway I think that that leaves us at an hour I'm gonna just end it there there are other questions and there are always other questions and that was a run-on sentence but I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to all of that. And if you're if you're wanting to do this, you just have to go for it. And if you have any questions, you can DM me or bump me. Feel inspired. If you want this to be a part of your life, if you want this to be part of your job, there's no reason why you can't try. It's the most amazing and interesting way that you can gain an audience and share something that you have to say. Even if it's one thing or a million things, um, you'll find your niche and you'll make it come true. And I'm on your side rooting for you. And if I can help in any way, please let me know. I'm going to put out one episode next week and then I'm going to be off the following week when I'm traveling. But I love you guys and I hope you enjoyed this episode, this bonus special round, a gift for you from me, sending you big love, sending you a hug, and I will see you next week. Bye.